0: Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church Podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. Good morning, Freedom Church. Welcome to those watching online, and good to see everybody here this morning. Now, I want to start by kind of making a confession one of the struggles that I have in life is listening. I have ADD, so as as people are talking, my mind's always going in all kinds of different directions. And my inability to listen has got me in a lot of trouble over the years, especially in marriage. When Jennifer's talking, I'm nodding and agreeing, and I'm wondering who's who's winning winning the the Dallas Cowboy Cowboy game, game, what's what's going to be happening, and 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 this this gets me in a lot of of trouble, trouble, especially especially when I I go go to the the store. store. She She says, can you go go to the store store and pick up this? And those are the last words that I hear out of her mouth. All of my sudden I think, what am I going to go look at the store and see and everything? And and every time I'm at the store, what happens is I actually have to call her. Uh, What did you tell me to pick up? She gets so annoyed. But my biggest mistake came about three days before... uh, we had been home with our first daughter, Alana. Jennifer sent me to the store to get a few items and a pair of pants because she didn't need maternity clothes again. I went to the store without really listening to the words that were coming out of her mouth. I went to the store, and you've got to realize this was 20 years ago. I didn't have a cell phone back then. So I'm at the store, and I'm picking all the things that she needed, and I go to pick up a pair of pants. And what I did is I just eyeballed it. kind of guessed what would work uh let me tell you not the smartest thing to do when i got home i handed her the bag she pulled out the pants and she started to cry i got her size 22 i didn't know that's not the best gift for a young lady who just had her first baby, size 22 pants. Now, when, when Jennifer speaks, I don't, always under, I, I don't always listen. And when I do listen, when she speaks, I don't always understand. There's a communication gap between us sometimes. Guys that have been newly married, let me give you some advice from somebody who's been married 23 years. It's been said there are two things that you must understand about women. Nobody knows what they are, so you're going to be in the dark the rest of your life. And all the men said amen, but if not, if your wife's sitting next to you. (laughs) But I'll tell you this. It gets a lot easier to understand what my wife needs over time and hear her voice over time. After 23 years of marriage, she doesn't have to call and say, this is Jennifer. And God knows I'm not buying her size 22 pants anymore. (laughs) I know her voice. I know her desires a lot better than early on in our relationship. And it's the same thing with our relationship with God. Now, after walking God with 30 years, after 30 years, I know his voice. It's a lot easier to figure out whether it's me talking to myself or God is speaking to me. See, one of the things that the Bible teaches us is God speaks to his people. Over 300 times, it's recorded this, the Lord says. We are created to have this relationship with God. And to have a relationship with God, we have to talk to him, and we're good at that. But here's the next thing. He has to talk to us. And how do we know if he's talking to us? This morning, I I want to teach you how to hear God's voice. I think this is the most important message that you can ever hear, how to hear the voice of God. So before we get there, I want you to just put your hands on your ears and say this. Say, Lord, open my ears to hear what you have to say to me. Say, speak to me, Jesus. I want to know your voice. Amen. See, let me tell you this. After walking with Jesus for 30 years, nothing is more assuring, nothing is more life-giving than knowing that you know that God has spoken to you. A word of God will sustain you. It'll give you strength. It'll give you peace, even when all hell is broken out around you. Because if you know that God is for you, who can be against you? Another thing that the word of God will do, it'll change the trajectory of your life. It'll change everything about your life. In fact... I would ask you this question this morning. Is God speaking to you? When was the last time you heard God's voice? This is kind of a diagnostic test of your faith. Are you hearing God or not? Whenever God is silent, either in the terms of Israel in your own life personally, something is wrong. If you read throughout Scripture, when God is silent, it's an indication that things aren't right. For example, in 1 Samuel 14, 37, it says this, that Samuel inquired of God. He says, shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you give them into the hand of Israel? But he, God, did not answer them. Something's not right for Samuel. He's in a dark place spiritually, and God's not speaking to him. The prophet Amos in Amos 8:11 11 prophesied this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God. When I will send a famine on the land. It's a different kind of famine. It's not a famine of bread nor a thirst of water, but of the hearing of the words of God. One of the worst things that can happen to any person is when you're in a famine and you're not hearing God's voice. And in the story we're looking at this morning, if you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Get a whole bunch of notes down. Man, go to the all-access pass because you're going to want to take notes for this message. It's going to be a lot of information, but it'll help you greatly. That's exactly what's happening. Israel is experiencing a time where God is not speaking but in the midst of the silence, in the midst of the darkness, God is rising up a young boy by the name of Samuel that will once again hear and obey the voice of God and turn an entire nation back to God. See, Samuel is a key character in the Old Testament history. He's one of, he is Israel's most trusted prophet from all the Old Testament. He's right up there with Moses, Abraham, and David as the most important characters in the entire Old Testament And this passage shows us how Samuel learned to hear God's voice. And there's so much life application to us. Let's read verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. But in those days, I want you to see that, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Let me give you some background. Under Eli's leadership, Eli was the high priest of Israel, and he was the judge. Israel had grown tor- towards the things of, cold towards the things of God. They had turned their backs on God. Why? Because Eli had some wicked sons. The writer in the preceding chapter in verse 12 says, His sons had no respect for the Lord. They ignored God. They took advantage of the people. They took the people's money, and they committed sexual immorality with the young ladies at the temple, and God was not pleased. And that's the reason that the word of the Lord was rare and visions were uncommon. It wasn't that God was speaking. It was people weren't listening. They were following their own desires rather than the word of God. And in verse 2, the writer gives us great insight into what's happening. Look at verse 2. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, I want you to underline this, was lying down in his usual place. Eli's physical condition Is a reflection of his spiritual condition. He's losing his physical eyesight, but he's also losing his spiritual eyesight. There's no visions. There's no word of God. And it's very interesting that the writer says this. He's lying down in his usual place. He made some decisions in the past to determine where he rests and how he rests. The temple had places specifically for priests to stay. But here the writer says that Eli is not where the priests go, but he's in his usual place. He's far from the presence of God. He wasn't passionately pursuing the presence of God. He was just doing what was convenient. He had gotten lackadaisical. That's a warning for us. If we're not passionately pursuing God, if we're just doing what's convenient, God's not going to speak in our lives. But notice the contrast, contrast why Eli was in his own place, verse one says this: that Samuel ministered before the Lord. Go before there in verse three, and it says, "Where was Samuel? Look at the juxtaposition there. He was lying down where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the presence of God was. Samuel served God's house. He put, in pla- he put himself in a place where God can speak. And this morning, I, I want to get really practical with you and teach you some principles from this story about hearing God's voice. It's not that God's not speaking, it's that we're not listening. Jesus says this, he who has ears, let him hear. The first reason that you might not be hearing God's voice is this, maybe there's unconfessed sin. The unconfessed sin, Eli's sons and the people of Israel, it was preventing them from, God was speaking to them. See, sin separates us from God. The writer of James says it like this in James 1.21, it says, get rid of of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word of God that is planted to you. And In James 1.21, if you read that text, the word filth there actually comes from the Greek word earwax. And James says, if we are to hear God, we must remove the sin from our lives because sin separates us from God. And what it does, it creates this spiritual earwax that stops us from hearing God's voice. You can't know sin and you can't know God at the same time. So is there spiritual earwax this morning in your life? Is Maybe it's a sexually inappropriate relationship. Is there pornography? Is there drunkenness? Is there an attitude? Is there bitterness? Is there pride? Is there envy? Is there an area of disobedience? Let me tell you, sin creates earwax and God cannot dwell where sin is. The second reason we might not hear the voice of God is maybe we over-sensationalize it. You're looking for something dramatic. You're looking for some massive sign from God. You say, God, if you're really here, why don't you just let a camel just walk right in front of me even though I'm in Texas? And then I'll know you're speaking to me. So often people over-sensationalize hearing from God. People want the room to shake. They want God to give them a loud, audible voice like Morgan Freeman, but just deeper with lightning and bass and say, this is God. Let me just say this. I've never heard God speak audibly. I'm not discounting it. I know people that I respect greatly that I love the Lord, and they've heard the audible voice of God. But in all my years, I've never heard God speak audibly. To me, he speaks through his word, speaks through nature, speaks through promptings, and we'll go through that later on. The final reason that we don't hear God speak, and probably the reason for most of us is this, we're distracted. So much happens in a 24-hour day, doesn't it? I've got to get the kids to soccer, the other one to dance, and then we're out of butter at the house, and i got to cook, and i got to mow the lawn, but there's no oil in the lawnmower, and i got to sign up for this kids' event, all while I'm listening to music, updating my social media, checking my emails, and studying for my master's degree. That's the average day for us. And our mind is so crowded with the things of this world that we have no room for God to speak. And this morning I want to tell you something that is so important about listening to God's voice. If you've been tuning me out all morning, please listen to what I'm about to say right now. It will change your life. Listen to what I'm right now is the words that are gonna come out of my mouth, because what I'm gonna to say to you in this next moment is so important that you hear God's voice that you never forget it. Because if you hear what I'm about to tell you right now, God will speak to you and you'll live God speaking to you. Please don't listen. You gotta listen to what God I'm saying. Because everything I said was so important. Don't ever forget it. So many times we're so distracted that we can't even hear God. That's what fasting does. Fasting slows you down. Stops you from your schedule. Pushes you away from social media. Says, God, I need you and I want you. And one of the things that I've heard over and over in this testimony of these 21 days of prayer and fasting, that God is speaking to people in amazing ways. Let me tell you, he just doesn't want that to be a fasting thing. He wants that to do with being an everyday thing. And you might hear, Pastor B, I'm not fasting right now. I challenge you. You can still get in. You're, you're lucky. You missed the first seven days. You can get jump into the next 14 days. <laughs> so let me tell you. If we're going to hear the voice of God, first thing we're going to need to do, real practically, we need to get rid of the noise and the distraction. Look at verse 3. The lamp of God had, yet, had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then, then, look, underline that word, then the Lord called Samuel. Notice, Samuel's lying down, he's resting, he's slowing down from all the duties of the temple, and he was silent before God. It's been said that if the devil can't get in front of you to stop you, he'll get behind you to push you, and he'll get you so busy. And I feel this all the time, especially the last couple months, I was just busy, 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 doing all kinds of things. It was eating into my prayer time, and what this fasting has done, it says, okay, okay, I'm stopping right now, and I'm putting myself again in a place to hear from God. Samuel verse 3 says he was lying down by the ark the ark of the covenant where God's presence was it was in the inner court of the temple there was a deep reverence and only the priest could enter into the inner court he was lying there no distractions just the reverent respect meditating on the presence of God you noticed the quality of the reception of your phone can vary depending on where you're at How many of you guys are T-Mobile customers? They're they're horrible. I have a T-Mobile right now. Man, people call me. It blocks all the time. And and there's some different places in my room where I got to get the right reception. And if I move to another place in my house, my calls just drop. There's a spiritual principle there. You must be positioned correctly in order to hear God speak. You need to be right in the receptive area, close to the presence of God, in the right receptive mood. The second thing that you need to do to hear God's voice real practically is you got to be receptive to God's voice. When the Lord called Samuel, he was receptive. He goes to Eli. Look at verse 4. Samuel answered, here am I. And he ran to Eli and said, here am I. You called me. And, and they did this back and forth. They had this conversation. No, I didn't call you. Second time, no, I didn't call you. And finally, the third time, he says, you know what? The Lord is calling you. He says, next time he calls you, I want you to pray an important prayer. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And what's interesting to me is this. It's another warning for us. We could be in a place where we can advise and we can teach the Bible and we walk with God. And we can hear people, teach people to hear the voice of God, but we're no longer hearing the voice of God. That's Eli. And Eli, God's speaking in the temple. It was rare. And what blows me way is Eli doesn't get off his big fat butt and say, if God's speaking, I want to go there. He goes back to sleep. How many of you guys, if you're Eli, you're like, okay, God is speaking again. I want to be there. But Eli, that shows you his condition in his heart spiritually. But Samuel goes back into the presence of God. He's receptive. Verse 10, the Lord calls out to him, Samuel, Samuel. And every time in the Old Testament you see a name twice, it's always God calling them to a task. Moses, Moses on a burning bush. Abraham, Abraham on Mount Moriah. Here it's Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And God began to speak to him about the things that would happen in the nation. His heart was receptive to God's voice. Over the last five years, God has been showing me a lot about developing a receptive heart to what he wants to say. I've been following Jesus for 30 years, and I don't regret a moment of it. But the first 25 years, there was no doubt that I had moments in my life where God had spoken to me, and he'd spoken clearly. But for the most part, God's voice in my life was more sporadic. It was more, I thought like God would speak to you for these big moments and these big things, but not every day, not that it would be regular and ongoing. I thought that was just normal. That's why God gave me the Bible. That's why he speaks to me, and he does. But then one day I I met a pastor, one of our overseers from a church. His name was Pastor Ron Vietti from California. And he knew God in a way that I didn't. He heard God speak to him daily. He knew God on a level that I didn't. I was hungry to know God like that. It's like God, he had a one-way connection with God, and they would communicate with God. I said, God, there is something in my relationship with you that is missing. I want to have a two-way communication with you. And God started stirring my heart in a process and a journey to declutter my heart to hear from God. I started praying more. I started fasting once a week. But God's voice was still fuzzy. Then one afternoon, about five years ago, I had an old college friend call me who I hadn't talked to in years. He told me that God had laid me in his heart and that he was praying for me and that he had a word for me. And this is the word that he said, that God wants to take me and my ministry to the next level with him. And that God wants to talk to you about my future and the purposes and his plans. But he says, I'm not listening. Then he gave me a picture. He says, Benito, you're like that kid in the class that's going here and there and talking. And you're moving everywhere and you're writing everything. And, and, and it's a real picture of who I was in a, as a kid. And the teacher is just looking at me, waiting for me to shut up so he can resume class and tell me what he wants, to know, what I need to learn. He says, that's the picture between me and God. You're so distracted, God's not speaking to you. And he told me, God's calling you. He wants to give you an information download. He wants to speak to you specifically. And he's calling me to fast. And at that moment, I-, I thought, man, I've already been fasting now. But Lord, I'm fasting once a week, every Thursday. And he said, the fast, right when I thought that. He said, the fast wouldn't just be a day, but days. At that time in my life, I was always going. Jennifer would tell you, I'd get up and I'd listen to a podcast in the shower. I'd listen to another podcast to work. Uh, I'd I'd work. I'd study all day long, read articles, respond to emails. I'd go to the gym, listen to another podcast. I'd go home, listen to another podcast. I'd go to bed, listen to a podcast. i listen to seven podcasts a day. That was my life. I was just listening, listening, going, 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 going. But God wasn't speaking to me. So I started the fast. The first days of the multiple fast, it took me a long time. took me a while just to slow down. But in about day three or four, God spoke to me so clearly, so personally, so specifically about what he wanted to do. And when I finished that fast, it's like something in the spiritual realm just broke. And I began to hear God's voice. A breakthrough took place. And here's my prayer for you. I'm believing that God does that for you during this fast. You just make room for him. He wants to speak to you. He wants to know you. Let me tell you, now I've had more spiritual dreams, promptings, words from the Spirit, words from other people, words to other people in the last five years of my life than I've had in 25 years combined because I've made my heart receptive to hear the voice of God. And so many times we don't hear God because we're not receptive to Him. Let me give you some practical tips if you want to hear God's voice, receptive, be quiet take a notebook or a pen and whatever you feel that prompting write it down close your eyes dim the lights that's why we dim the light during worship to take away the distractions because if you're like me it helps you focus better when the lights are on I'm ADD squirrels there's trash there's everything like I just got that's why we close our eyes when we pray just for focus and here expect god to speak to you aw tozer said this the one who doesn't expect god to speak will discount every time god speaks the third thing, if you want to listen to God's voice, you need to be still and listen. Let me tell you, powerful things happen when we get silent in the presence of God. Silence isn't passive praying, it's active listening. What's interesting in Beethoven's fifth, Simp- fifth uh five symphony in C minor, it's one of the most famous symphonies. It's the one that goes dun dun, dun dun, dun I'm probably butchering that, but you know the one. But what they say, it starts with an eighth rest before the symphony starts. In other words, it quiets the ear so people can better hear the symphony. When we quiet our ears, it's better to hear God's voice. English poet John Boone said this, we neglect God for the noise of a fly. As Samuel was lying down resting in the presence of the Lord, the Lord called him. And can you imagine what was going through Samuel's mind? He's just a boy. He's 12 years old, according to Jewish historians. He's hearing voices. He's confused. That's why he's going back to Eli. Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show did this thing where he asked people to hashtag the phrase, I once overheard, with the crazy things that they overheard. Here's some things that people tweeted. At Matt Rosenswag, I love that name, says, I once overheard my principal in middle school accidentally say, I hate this job over the school intercom system. That was probably your principle. <laughs> At Reggie G- G- Games says this, I once overheard a man in the stall next to me whisper to himself, please, not now. <laughs> I would think, like, now is the best possible time. You have privacy, four walls, a chute that takes it all away. <laughs> There's not a better time. <laughs> this one is my favorite. At Paul James tweeted, I'm from a small farm town, and I once overheard a man whose wife was in labor, say, I'm not nervous. I've seen this a bunch of times with cows. I can't believe he uttered those words. I say that to say we hear a lot of things. We hear a lot of voices. How do we know it's the voice of God? I think we hear three voices mostly. We, first, we hear our conscience. Sometimes we have an overactive consciousness. Sometimes our conscience is always speaking to us. Oh, it's always there. Then there's the voice of our desires. What we want. And when we follow, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what you need to have. And when we follow our desires, we get into a lot of trouble. Another voice that we hear all the time is the voice of the enemy. We have to assume if the enemy was talking to Jesus during his temptation in the wilderness, he tries to talk to us all the time. So how do we know? Which voice it is? Let me tell you. This is how you know the difference between God's voice and Satan's voice. God's voice stills you. Satan's voice rushes you. Because all this anxiety, all this stress. God's voice leads you. Satan's voice pushes you. You're gonna miss out. You gotta do it now. You're gonna God's voice reassures you. Satan's voice. God's voice enlightens you, teaches you. Satan's voice confuses you. If it's confused, God's not the author of confusion. If you're confused, it's not God's voice. God's voice encourages you. Satan's voice discourages you. God's voice comforts you. Satan's voice worries you. God's voice convicts you and brings you to him. Satan's voice condemns you and pulls you away from God. So let me give you four questions to ask to determine whether it's God's voice or not. First one, most important thing, does it agree with the Bible? God's voice will never contradict what you already said in the Bible. Number two, does it make me more like Jesus? Jesus is the standard by which we measure all our ideas, all our thoughts. Is this going to make me more or less like Jesus? Number three, this is important, does my church family confirm it? In our story, Samuel went to Eli. He's looking at the spiritual leaders. That's why it's so important to be in, in a godly community. That's why, man, I'm excited. We're launching life groups again this week. Get involved in one of our groups. God speaks to us through others, and it helps us to hear God's voice. And number four, do I sense God's peace about it? Do I feel pressured, overwhelmed, confused? So if you're going to hear from God this morning, get rid of the distractions. Be receptive to God's voice. Be still and listen, and number four, read the word of God. First Samuel 3:21, it says this: "The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, to Samuel, and He revealed himself to Samuel, Through what? His word. His word is powerful. His word is how he speaks to us. His word is amazing. I know many times we want the voice of God to be so mystical, so out there, so supernatural, but God speaks to us practically. I'm going to give you seven practical ways God speaks to you closely as I close quickly. And it's going to, first of all, we talked about this. The number one way God speaks to us is scripture. You want God to speak to you? Open the Bible every page will speak to you this is a category all by itself it trumps all the other categories every category just confirms this category right here and every time you open the god's word he is going to shout but let me tell you i can't tell you how many times i've been reading the bible and all of a sudden a word just kind of jumps out of there i can't tell you how mean like god's light just shines on that and i'm like benito this is yours after that fast, I remember the first three-day fast that I did. He brought me to Joshua chapter 3, and he says, Miss, If you consecrate yourself to me, he says, Tomorrow I'll do great and mighty things among the people. I remember he told me that, and God did it. And I remember it just came out. He says, Benito, that's yours. Sometimes when you're reading God's word, it'll jump. It'll shout. It'll jump onto the pages onto your heart. Scripture is the number way God speaks. Second way that God speaks is Desire. Psalms 37.4 says this, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The word in Hebrew means to conceive. In other words, God will take out your old wicked desires, and he will give you brand new desires. Okay, God gave me, like, everything that God's put in my heart, it started with desire. God gave me a heart to reach the next generation as a youth pastor to speak. And I did that before I became a church planter. He gave me a desire to plant a church. He gave me a desire to move to Round Rock. He gave me a desire that's still not here to plant other churches out of this church. He gave me a desire to buy houses for kids aging out of the foster care system. He's given me a desire to start a freedom center where we begin to have a place where people that are broken and are hurting can come and read, find, find English as a second language, find life skills, find a hope. I want God to do these things. These are desires that are deep in my heart. God gives us desires. What desires is he placing in you? Desires. Maybe it's a desire. Every time it's a desire that's not about you, it's probably from God. Number three is dreams. In Genesis 37, God gave Joseph a dream about the future. Let me tell you, one thing that God speaks to me pretty clearly all the time is through dreams. Just this week, he gave me a dream, the beginning of the week, and then like Wednesday, like. The thing about that dream came to pass. God gave me a dream when I was going to come to Round Rock. At different opportunities, and he said, come now. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. He'll come to Round Rock for me. He's giving me dreams, warning me. He's giving me dreams about not pursuing certain opportunities. Dreams. He speaks to dreams. Number four, another way he speaks is doors. I always pray Revelation 3, 7 and 8. Whatever door you shut, no man can open. And whatever door you open, no man can shut. We love open doors. Closed doors, not so much. It's a package deal. And the older get, I get, th- I thank God more for the closed doors than the open doors. God speaks through doors. Opportunities that come. The fifth way that God speaks is to people, pastors, leaders. Throughout the Bible, God's always using people. That's why you need community. Let me tell you this. Growing in your faith is not a do-it-yourself thing. God used Nathan to rebuke David, an uncle named Mordecai, to speak to Esther about her purpose. And God wants to speak to you to, once he wants to speak to you through others, and he wants others to speak to you. And we need each other. Let me tell you, every time there is a big decision that we got to make, I don't make those decisions by myself. There's always a counsel and wisdom, Proverbs says. This week I've been praying and fasting about something, asking God. It's huge about the church. we got our elders and leaders and different people, and we got together, and we're all saying, what's God speaking to us? And in that meeting, Rick said something that was like a punch that God spoke to me. And Ray said something, and I'm like, yeah, confirming that. We need others. So here's the thing. This is what I would always say. Never say, oh, God spoke to me. I would say, I feel God speaking to me. Because if somebody says, oh, God spoke to me, I want to share with you what God spoke to me, then it gives me no right to disagree with that because who are you to disagree with against God? But one of the things I always say is, I feel God saying this. What do you say? Well, that gives me the liberty to speak into what God's already saying. And every time I say this, I say I feel God is saying because I'm not the holy I'm not a holy person I'm not the holy, holy person that understands everything I understand God's presence, but he gives up people the right to, okay I'm inviting you into my life to confirm or maybe to speak to what I feel like God is speaking Number six, and this is huge Promptings People of the nudge God will prompt you It's a thought that comes out of blue Reach out to somebody Call somebody, buy somebody a meal, give to that person, give to that ministry. It might be, go talk to that person. Promptings sometimes make you uncomfortable. God prompted me to plant this church and it made me uncomfortable. But it'll change your life and those around you and what I found. Promptings, well sometimes when God speaks, sometimes it's two or three, it's a prompting. And then all of a sudden another person will confirm it and there's an open door. And all of a sudden you realize that prompting begins to speak in God's voice. And all these things kind of line up. But sometimes God's prompting you. God's prompting you to say, it's time for you to get more involved in church. It's time for you to start reading your Bible more. It's time for you to start trusting me and giving. It's time for you to walk into the next purpose. Those promptings are God's word calling you. And ultimately, number seven, he speaks through pain. C.S. Lewis says this, pain is often God's megaphone. God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. You can ignore the Bible, you can leave it on your shelf, but you can't ignore pain. Pain is a product of sin. Pain is a life coach. Pain is the professor of theology that teaches us some of life's toughest lessons that we cannot ignore. Pain. When you want to do relationships for yourself and it blows up, it's not working. Pain in finances, God. I know you say to trust me, but how am I going to trust you? And everything's out of control. I'm not being a good steward. But if you would put him first, your pain, pain is showing you that you need to trust him. Pain that your life isn't working. Pain that area in your life. If there's an area of pain in your life, let me tell you, God is shouting to you, trust me in that area. What I want us to do, I want us to stand to our feet. I've been praying all week for this message. And I've been praying that God would speak to you. Jesus has a word for you. He who has an ear... Let him hear. This is what I want us to do. I want you just to lift your hands. And I want you to pray the simple prayer that Samuel prayed Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And right now, we're going to spend the next two minutes in silence, just listening. Thanks again for listening to the Freedom Church Podcast. We hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others.